Hey everybody, welcome to episode number 17 of Tactical Crouch. Uh, another good one for you. We've had some good ones in the past. We had Sideshow join us, talk about his power rankings. Pay, head coach of the LA Gladiators this week. And then now we have the Duke. I'm going to call him the Duke of competitive Overwatch. But also the Duke of Vancouver, the Van Dukter. It's Harsha. Oh, uh, yeah, <laughs> Harsha coming back. At, and Harsha, I mean, we've, we've chatted a few times. We were talking before the show. We've done some live. I think we've done some pre-recorded. Um, we've obviously talked in, in Discord and stuff. But, man, it's just awesome to have you here. I'm a little bit bummed um, to not have you in San Francisco since I'm in San Jose now, um, <laughs> which is just, you know, just my luck. But, you Happens. know, <laughs> it's really good to have you on the show. I've been wanting to have you on the show for a long time. And then he's just like, why don't we ask you? And I'm like, oh, yeah. It's it's <laughs> weird how much easier it is to get these big names when you don't have Volomo persona non grata by <laughs> the league. It's like super easy to get them now. Weird. Yeah, they're, they're lining up. It's weird. Don't tell him, but I, I wouldn't have come on if Volomo was on the show. Oh. Good thing he doesn't even listen to the show, so we're good. <laughs> Volomel, listen to the show. Um, besides that, really good to have you. Pump for you in Vancouver, coaching over there. Took some really badass uh, headshots there you can see on the stream. <laughs> I mean, man, look at that guy. You don't want to fight that guy. But uh, Yeah, that looks like an MMA. Like, yeah, dude. Pre-fight. What happened? Turns out lighting can do that. Yeah, you know, professional out. lighting. Professional lighting. Although that bed in the background, I know we keep joking about it, but that's why you're the Duke of Vancouver, man, is that bed. It's just like... I, I, you can't really hide it, actually. You, you no, know, it's too big. It's too majestic. It really is. is it dragons, or what is it, man? I think they're... No. It's they're snakes. like cherubs. Oh. <laughs> it's like cherubs. Yeah, I think the Cherubs. That was actually the second Vancouver franchise name is the Vancouver <laughs> yeah. Cherubs. They didn't the run up. They kept the same <laughs> logo, though. So, you know, whatever. Go for it, I guess. Way to go. Uh, but, yeah, man, I mean, let's, let's catch up a little bit. We've had a long offseason for you. I mean, you've been, you've been out, out, of the, out of the, I don't know, out of the loop. Not the loop, but, yeah, like, you know. in and out, as we'd say. Yeah, yeah, in and out, as we say in California about everything. Um, what have you been up to? I mean, what's That's been going on? That's when you on? press your button, by the way. The butts? <laughs> just for no reason. Just. I do need to just, I'm just going to make, I'm just going to make it so that her, we just hear Harsha say butts. Butts, butt, 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 butts. Butt, 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 butts. There we go. Jesus. That's just going to be a thing now. Is it hard to like go from an off season where, okay, so from, from like a season where it's like so, a lot of work and then it dies down for a while and you go on vacation or whatever and then to ramp it up back again, almost like. For me, it was weird because we did uh, tryouts for both Shock and NRG and I was still on the team at the time, of course. So like I spent obviously the whole season working and then we took like, I don't know, a three week break. And then came back and immediately did trials. So we were, after Boston, we were the first, or the second team, I guess, to do trials. And so those days were pretty long as well. I think like six to eight hours a day of, of just like watching scrims back to back to back because there weren't breaks during, between the, the blocks during trials. Mm -hmm. And then after that, 
I had a pretty long break for, you know, reasons. <laughs> so I guess it was kind of weird then because I wasn't really doing anything. I was just talking to teams and seeing what would happen. Um, yeah, I, I mean, it was, it's just been kind of back and forth, but like I haven't really had too many extended breaks, I think. All right. Do you think it's actually practical to have tryouts at the end of the, or like after the season concludes, but it's like, it feels like, don't you want to have the talent that is available when it is the most relevant? So like, you know, even some teams are scrimming right now and trying to get some more hires. Do you it's think like that's a, impractical? It's like a trade-off, right? Because you are giving up first access to these picks. So mm. in in theory, if you see someone that's mechanically really good, you want to just go get them right away because it's it's most likely that they'll be they'll continue to be good, especially if they're like a younger prospect, right? Mm. Whereas if you wait, you might get someone that's more relevant to the next metagame or you know, to whatever comes out uh, whenever Overwatch League starts or whatever it is. But you're also giving up priority in a sense. And I think that in general, just because metagames change a lot, right? So it's not like GOATS is going to stick around forever or it's not like, um, you know, whatever is going on right now is going to stick around forever. So medals will change. Heroes will come, will like go in and out of favor. Uh, Players, I mean, play styles will come in and out of favor. So I think like, it's fine to start scouting early, if that makes sense. Haven't mm. you heard, though, that Ghost is actually never going away? Like I've heard you, that from, heard from that, right? Washington, D.C. and Houston Outlaws, yeah. Yeah, uh, and Jeff Kaplan. And Jeff Kaplan. I think you said it in his Christmas address. Um, I think the things that I heard last week is the first stuff that makes me doubt Goats will be the overwhelming meta, like 80% plus play rate. I, I think, think it's, I think probably like a 60, 50 to 60% is probably what we're going to be seeing. Interesting. And I also think it'll depend on the team. Like some teams will just rely entirely on goats. Some teams will probably try and experiment a lot. I know one team in particular don't think we'll play any goats. Not sure if that's the right call, but you know, we'll see how it goes. You can't tell us, can you? Uh, who it is? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to tell you who it is. Fair <laughs> enough. Of course not. Fair but enough. I mean, a lot of teams actually went to Korea, right, for for the preseason uh, preparation. I honestly wonder if this time around, in this very speci uh, uh, specific case, that might have n not been the best region to practice in. I wonder if, okay, with the assumption that GOATS was going to be at least stage one stuff, right? Because... From what I heard, especially the the European teams are doing very well in, in terms of GOATs. They have the deepest understanding of it, is um, what I see. Also, like just comparing like the Contenders Finals uh, series, like the sophistication or the understanding of the composition. So I wonder that if like a team like, for instance, Paris has a pretty big advantage by having had to scrim in Europe, but also by happenstance being in the region that, you know, tanks in Europe, that's like a match made in heaven, right? So I think Korea went from being a relatively strong, not the strongest it's ever been, but a relatively strong uh, region during season two of contenders to being like the weakest it's ever been. So I would agree in the sense that, yeah, it probably wasn't the best time to, to just scrim in Korea, especially when EU looked... Like what you're saying, Paris, uh, I guess, 
it it obviously started with like that uh, that French team. I forgot Eagle Gaming, right? And mm-hmm. then EU overall has just been uh, very experienced with goats. Like they've been pushing it farther and farther. Um, you know, I think Korea isn't bad per se. Uh, like they've certainly gotten better as the season went on. I thought Runaway had pretty decent goats. Uh, new Runaway, obviously. Um, but I yeah, overall I think Europe probably if you're having to practice against like contenders teams or a region in particular, Europe seemed to be the place to go for the last, I mean, for like the goats meta. Um, I mean, uh, it's hard to say. Cause also a lot of the overwatch league teams just came to America pretty early on. And so the overwatch league teams obviously have just ridiculous amounts of talent. And so they're always going to be good teams to scrim. Um, they'll always figure it out whether it's down the road or immediately. But like, I don't think the contenders teams in America were very strong. So it's kind of like a kind of strange dichotomy, if you will. Yeah, it's, it, it is strange that we are seeing this despite, of course, like such a large amount of uh, contenders NA being academy teams, right? But I guess like if, if such a severe change in meta happens, yeah, it's, it's interesting how that works out and shakes out. And in the past, I had this idea that because in if you have a region that has a lot of um, talent throughput and also has actual realistic relegation, and I guess that's also a point of contention now, but in the past, where a lot of talent can be filtered in and filtered out without contracts, without, you know, like... Um, set uh, starting roster slots for contender seasons. It seems like that ev- almost evolutionary process then provided a pretty good uh, ground for, um, for talent to grow. And I mean, depending on how confident you are that GOATs will be useful across a significant portion of the uh, league, I think a lot of teams, especially the ones that have Western involvement, should be looking to a couple of more talents in Europe. Yeah, fair point. Yeah. So I do, I do want to, I want to transition really quick because we have, we have a, 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 a bone, two bones to pick, and it's not with you necessarily, but there have been two kind of ongoing arguments on this show over the past about four weeks about okay. our power rankings. I want to uh, talk a little okay. bit about power rankings a little bit. And you tweeted about it earlier today. Uh, I did. And I hope it wasn't obviously not applying to this show. I was going to say, I hope it didn't apply to us. I mean, it might have applied to me a little bit, which, you know what, dude, I'm just the host, okay? So I don't (laughs) even care. Uh, But so there's uh, two questions I wanted to ask you. But first, I want to hear your thoughts on not only our power rankings, um, but like where, where you found your biggest discrepancies in your power rankings versus our power rankings. Let me pull it up, but I'm pretty sure you're, I'm pretty sure all of you had pretty reasonable power rankings. Uh, yeah, Valiant eleven. I, mean, I I don't know what to what to do with them because I think they have strong coaching that's gonna get stronger actually next season, um, for reasons. But they also, I I think that their DPS line has been historically their weakest point. Soon was one of the people that adapted best for them, and they lost him. And so I, I don't really know what to make of them, especially with like the Kareev rumors if he's going to be dps or not Mm. i think that still um fate is one of the strongest main tanks in the world i think space is really good if maybe a little bit overrated just because i didn't think he performed very well in playoffs of last year like i thought he played i honestly thought he played pretty badly in playoffs but overall throughout the year he had pretty good performances 
So I expect that to just be like kind of like a momentary lapse. Custa yeah. and uh, Izayaki should be pretty good. So I guess depending on their DPS, we'll see how the season goes. I think they could, uh, like I think a reasonable range to expect for them is probably something like six to twelve. And I, I like it depends on how highly you value the coaching, how highly you don't really like. Mm. If Goats is not going to continue then maybe they'll uh, struggle a bit more. But during GOATS, um, I think it's more more important to have, like, just, I guess, good decision-making with your Graviton, like, high energy, um, you know, maybe a vocal Brigitte, but not really, like, any tangible mechanical qualities, I guess. Mm. Yeah. Any other ones? Just... Any big discrepancies? I mean, probably the big one, right? Because here's the thing. Sideshow split the tie, saying London... Over or so not not sideshow Dpay split the tie of London over NYXL for like the higher rated team. Assuming that NYXL and London are in your top two or three, I need. I would say NYXL and London need to be top two. But what order would I put them in? Oh, yeah. So you got you got number one, number two. Who do you think? You know, at the end of the day, and again, we we talked a lot about our own kind of uh, methodology for how we put them there but so for me nyxl and this is obvious when you look at their record from last season but nyxl is going to be the consistent team but i don't think their peaks are as high Mm. as london just because and this is really rare in most in most uh games i've noticed but like london can specifically claim that they have potentially the best player in several different roles like right so like um, I think Gesture, hands down, best main tank in the world. Fury uh, improved. I, I mean, he, he changed as a player throughout the season, but during playoffs, I don't think any off tank even came close to him. Like I thought, and even World Cup, I guess, but World Cup's not really, it's not a real tournament, honestly. But I think that Fury's peaks in playoffs were just ridiculous. Like I, I specifically went back and watched a lot of the London matches. There were, he, he did not let like a single Orisa mini, uh, what do you call it? Like a halt the mini graviton thing yeah. he did not let like a single one through and it, it like it's just moments like that where you 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 watch fury and you see his like matrix usage i think i think that's kind of like just one of the insane aspects about him obviously Devo's changed so I, I don't really know how that'll affect it but i think that gesture and fury legitimately have claims to be the number one player in the world at their role profit obviously i think he and he between him and carpe probably are the two people you could lay claim to number one DPS in the world. Obviously, Bedoshin is not number one because there's Jonak, but um, could lay claim to number two in the world. Like, if you just look at these peaks, like, in terms of individual players and how they played together in the playoffs, this is a team that should, in theory, if they just, you know, are always playing at peak performance, should be the best team in the world. Obviously, they aren't always playing at peak performance, so I guess we'll see, but I think... Like, I, I really just think it's meta-dependent. I think that New York Excelsior is probably more likely to finish ahead of them in, in the regular season. Mm-hmm. But I don't know who will win in the playoffs because I, I think it just really depends on the metagame. Yeah. So what you're I saying think... is... Both. I would say... So, both. yeah. 50-50. This, this is a... It's, it like sounds like a cop-out answer, right? But I think that... Typical Harsha. Yeah, it's typical <laughs> harsh. I think that NYXL will finish above them in the, in the regular season. Like I, I'm confident about that. All right, I, we're tied just, again. My boy, my we're boy. We're tied again, three to three. God, God damn it. Okay. Jeez. 
We're tied again. We'll have to see who comes on next week. Well, it's going to be Joe next week. I don't think we're going to have a guest next week. And then we're going to go back to the regular the regular crew so we don't have a tiebreaker. Yeah. Maybe we'll just like tweet Nate and answer. Does Joe then count as a guest then? After that. He's, I, I mean, in said, my mind, he's just always been a guest. I should have just said Titan number one. Titan number <laughs> I mean, that, that's, that's true, right? Like, what else matters? And, that, and then that, I break your tie. That kind of does lead us into a less softball question, if you will. Let's be real. Those, that was not a hard-hitting question at all. I've got a hard one for you. Okay. So obviously, Runaway, we're probably the, we're, we're like the big Korean talent to take away in season two. Um, so, you know, again, supposedly a lot of bidding and conversations going around getting those Runaway players. And obviously, the, te- the, the community as a whole, um, very behind Runaway. Like, like people who follow competitive Overwatch really look up to, uh, runaway they love the the pink sweaters and they love all that other you know great stuff so um you, you've got them you got them you did it people are putting you all over the map i've seen everything from you know vancouver titans number one to vancouver titans number 16 that 16. is the del- i mean 16 was stupid <laughs> whoever, whoever i can't even remember who you are no name person who posted on reddit be like oh there's 16 uh, runaway, you know, one in a very diminished uh, career contender season. Like, don't, don't get me wrong. Like, I think that that's part of like why you don't get I've, them number one. But with- I think that just implies like a car, a heavy car crash, where like Hoxel loses three, yeah. three fingers. Yeah. And I think that's amoral to predict, to be honest. Yeah, well, it's kind of one of those things where it's just like, you know, if someone gives you, t- you know, it, it was Kevin in the office who said, if someone gives you 10,000 to one on anything, you, you always take it. You always take it. Yeah. You know, John Cougar Mellicamp, everyone wins an Oscar. <laughs> I'm going to be rich, right? So it's kind of like one of those things. Fair enough. But, you know, people generally have you guys place pretty high. And most expansion teams, if you look at the, the power rankings, have mo- the bulk of the expansion teams rated in the bottom half. Yeah. I think just from my personal perspective, I think a reasonable ranking would be somewhere between, like, four and eight. I think, that, I think that's probably the most reasonable. Just because, I mean, I think we'll be better than all of the other expansion teams for sure. And obviously I'm going to, we're, we're all going to, like, work our hardest to win, like, we expect that, but I think if you're looking at it objectively at the beginning of the season, this should be the expansion team that is the highest ranked. I think also, yeah, I think four to eight is just a generally reasonable range. Hmm. That's fair. Okay. So, I mean, that formula of picking up a whole, like very competitive or like, like a finals team in contenders Korea was a thing last uh, last year, right? And yes, Lunatic High was already dropping off, and maybe we were underrating how they were dropping off. But also GC Busan had sort of their drop-off, right? So the question yeah. then becomes, in what way is Runaway different? What, what, what is the, the special essence that these players have that the same thing wouldn't happen to them in the next season? Just, I guess, like... An immediate answer to that would be, so I've obviously interacted with lots of teams just last year, talking to them whenever they're around. I was on shock. And this team is like, feels very different in the sense that they actually feel like a family. And I think that's kind of like a, I think maybe a lot of people say that, but don't actually know what it means. 
Whereas kind of when I interact with these guys, it's like they all feel kind of like brothers in a sense. So I think that you're less likely to see kind of internal drama and stuff like that with this team. And I don't know what kind of family you had, mate, but <laughs> I have I have a sister. And okay. Well, a family... <laughs> I think that I I think that you're more likely to see internal drama um let's say resolved in a like a quick manner, right? Does that make more sense? Yeah. Yeah. yeah part, okay. I think That's part of fair. that, like that family piece, right, is you know, sure, maybe drama comes up, but they deal with it more fi efficiently. Yeah. Um, and th there's also like that healthy amount of discourse where it's like, you kind of know that that that's always an avenue, um, you know, rather than the professional, like maybe I don't speak up or say something because this is my job and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. To, to sort of spin the analogy along, right? If runaway is a family, I think it's fair to say that at least in public perception, mom and dad are now out of the picture because Flowerwin and Rana, of course, are still running Runaway in uh, in uh, Korea. Do you think that is something that you need to be wary of and fill these roles for? Like, do do is it something you're conscious of? It's obviously like a hard role to fill. Um, I mean, we'll do our best, and I think that you know they're all like, even though, how do I phrase this? I think like even though they they were kind of like family, they're all also adults and kind of like understand you know they they're on a different team now but and like it's not going to be the Huxley same as barely, but yeah yeah he did just turn 18 i believe so yeah. um i mean they're all still going to talk to flowervin and runner and you know uh over discord or whatever it's just going to be like i guess this is a more professional environment perhaps um but yeah me yang one uh pajian who are the the coaches um we'll obviously try and like you know help out where we can with that role did you get any specific tips from rana and flowen like some some I've, potential I've, i have spoken to deal with cactus yeah, yeah i've spoken to runner a bit about it like not really advice just like you know reaching out seeing what uh what each player kind of likes and you know uh, i guess some advice but um Yeah, I mean, I guess I can't really speak too much on that. Mm -hmm. And I also, I guess the thing is, I also have experience kind of dealing with players because we all live together on Shock as well, and so I spoke to mm. those players quite a bit. So, I mean, I think that there's the experience that I bring from Overwatch League that can help out as well. So, we're going into Season two right now, obviously, and you were an analyst for the San Francisco Shock in Season one. Um, what was the biggest thing that you took away from season one as you transitioned to kind of a coaching and at least according to your Twitter bio, a coordinator role, um, inside the Vancouver Titans? Like what's the biggest thing that you've taken away so far that you think kind of gives in, I think Yiska, this was your question, but like what kind of, you know, it, do you think that that experience is a significant advantage? Um, cause we've talked about that from the player perspective, but we haven't really talked about that from like the coach analyst. Uh, perspective. I think it's actually really important for coaching staffs just because in Overwatch League for what 20 weeks we were grinding two matches a week so that means we had to come up with two game plans every week uh, constantly evolve also the meta was constantly changing yada yada that was like I think one of the most difficult things about season one just having like let's say we're playing in stage four um, 
let's say New York Excelsior and Philadelphia Fusion. We had that in the same week. Obviously, two pretty different teams, in my opinion. Like one of them is very mm-hmm. DPS focused. One of them is very teamwork focused. We had to prepare for both of them. Have different plans for both of them. Like just stayed up all night for for both of those matches, uh, preparing game plans. And the and the players also had to be very adaptive in the sense that they had to be able to work with us and change their game plans as well. So that's kind of an experience that I can help bring because in contenders, you're not really used to that. Um, you have a longer time frame to prepare, to prepare for every team and you just have less matches overall. The volume is lower. So, I mean, I think I can help at least with, uh, with that much in terms of uh, preparing strategy and making sure that uh, we know ahead of time how it's going to be because in shock, we didn't realize how, you know, just how, I guess, gruesome the schedule was. Whereas mm. now I know. Yeah, that's actually one aspect that is that I see seldom talked about is not only is the strain less, but it also some teams just were very unfortunate in their scheduling. Like some teams did have a huge amount of trap games. So meaning you have two very good opponents in one week where you have to prepare for them. And then the other weeks are sort of more easy. Ideally, you want one strong team and one weak team. So you can go all out on the strong team and just based on your superior mechanics and skill and uh, general teamwork, you just scoot by and just win that. Even if you sometimes struggle and have to go to game five or whatever, right? For example, oh yeah, sorry, go ahead. I think, for instance, a team like London last season had, or Philly as well, had situations where there were a bunch of trap games which could probably have influenced their record with the league and then also our perception of their standing overall and also the inconsistency. Yeah. I mean, I don't disagree with that. And I just like, just to add, uh, during stage four, I, I just remember stage four very vividly just because of how it went and like, you know, how close we were to making stage playoffs. And I think we we were a pretty good team during that time. But there was one week where we played against Boston and Fuel in the same week. Literally did not prepare, like, a single strategy for Boston. We we had the same game plan that we used for Fuel. Like, we, we spent a lot of time on Fuel just because they seemed like a pretty good team and didn't prepare at all for Boston and went in with the same game plan and won both of those matches, right? Whereas the next week, we played Philly and London. I mean, Philly and um, New York, right? two of the hardest teams in the league and we had to prepare very differently for both of them. So I think something that people don't note is that is how schedule can affect it. Like, and like you said, there are a lot of trap games depending on uh, how the schedule works out. It's just not going to be even, uh, I guess there's no way of doing it. And even, you know, this year it's gotten even, I guess, worse, or there's more, uh, I guess, less parity in the sense that you have divisions mattering in the sense that you play your own division twice and the other division once. Yeah. Who had the easiest schedule? So <laughs> I think there was, that could have been an argument made. And I'm not sure how well that holds up because I'm recalling that from memory. But it always felt like Valiant had a, an advantageous um, sort of schedule. Not only do you want to have less trap games, which I think they didn't have much. But you also probably want the weaker teams in the start of the stage where typically meta changes come in. So when everyone's not really sure what's going on, fundamentals prevail. And if you have the weaker teams going on there, then while you're learning the meta, you can get still get relatively easy wins, right? And I, yeah. 
I mean, I'd also like it looked into. Well, I mean, I, I, if if somebody is trying to do this, but like, there are also the back to back games where you get way less time to prepare for the second match. Like, you can't just you can't scrim teams after your first match if you have a game the next day, right? And then um, let's see, like a team like London who had to consistently play on the on the Saturday games where they'd always had to come in early and probably couldn't get a warm up scrim or whatever it was. So like, there are a lot of just things that you won't notice unless you're part of these teams, I feel like. And those could definitely affect how you perform. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's the objective general truth where you say, okay, this is probably true for most of the teams, but depending on the team's character, there might be some spe special thing where maybe trap weeks make the team work harder. Like if yeah. it clicks, it clicks in both teams. Like if you are not a strategic team and the other team can scout you now or whatever, and you do just do it by being very performant, that prevails through all matches, right? So, yeah, yeah, it's definitely something that probably matters more individually. And there's not as much inherent bias in the, in the league format. Yeah. Do so, you think yeah, the... So, sorry, real quick, because we didn't list this as a question, but do you think the, the divisional play will be a big factor next season? It's hard to say, right? Because I think it definitely could. And obviously, I'm not a fan of that. I would prefer everybody had kind of like even uh, an even schedule or at least as close to it as possible. And this is not really as close to it as possible. But at the same time, I'm appreciative of like having less matches than we had in season one, of having more weeks where it's just one match a week rather than two. Because I think one match a week is way more or way easier to prepare for than two is. Um, so, you know, it's kind of like a trade-off. Uh, we're not going to have even schedules as the other division. And I guess we, we got some benefits out of that, but we also, it'll play out during the season, right? Because I think also one of the interesting things about last season is that for the first three stages, uh, Atlantic was just far superior to Pacific where, you know, the strongest team in Pacific was like Seoul Dynasty. And even then they weren't, weren't really that strong of a team. Whereas in Pacific, I mean, sorry, in Atlantic, you had Excelsior, you had Fusion, you had London, uh, all the, mm. uh, sorry, I meant Valiant. I, I guess Valiant was a strong team in mm. uh, Pacific, but in Atlantic, you had just stronger teams overall. But at the end of the year, I think that the balance actually shifted a bit where I thought that um, Valiant, and this is stage four, I mean, uh, so this is when New York wasn't, I don't know if they were sandbagging or whatever it was, but they weren't playing very well. Don't I honestly don't think that they had a very good understanding of the meta, and I think that showed in playoffs. But um, it looked to me like Valiant, Gladiators, uh, and then honestly, like us, Shock, were all very good teams, at least competitive with the top. And I thought that um, London was struggling, Philly, not struggling, but they were not, you know, they, they weren't at their stage two peak or their playoff peak. Mm. Um, and what was it? New York, as I said, New York didn't really look like they had an understanding of the metagame. So I think that there was like a flip there. So I'm inter interested to see if, you know, a similar pattern arises next year, if metagames determine, uh, who the top division is. Yeah. I mean, I do want to pivot a little bit, but, but this has kind of been an interesting topic. You know, we're, we're all a part of our, our top secret discord. Right, um, that we have that nobody else is allowed in, and it's super exclusive. It's like an, 
It's like an LA nightclub. Just leaked the Illuminati, man. Come on. Yeah, it's like the LA night. It's it is the Illuminati of Overwatch League um, communities, but it's actually not at all. It's the Freemasons. Oh. It's different. <laughs> um, so, and, and you're in there. Baroy is in there. Uh, Yiska's obviously in there. I like. I think I hacked my way into the server a little bit. And um, <laughs> one of the things that we've seen is uh, that. We're seeing some instances of Western coaches, basically. I mean, we're we're, we're saying English speaking, native English speaking coaches on exclusively Korean teams, like yourself, Baroy, obviously with um, Toronto. So how how is this process working for you? Like, how do you bridge the gap? Not just in terms of like language, but also like culture, because that has to be difficult. I I've been to Mexico with speaking very little Spanish, and so therefore I know a lot about multicultural diversity. And uh, <laughs> I don't at all, actually. Is what I'm saying is I'm totally ignorant. I'm totally ignorant of the entire process from a conversational aspect, let alone a coaching aspect and an analytical aspect, and like let's get wins and do our jobs aspect. And by being in Mexico, he means he went to Taco Bell. <laughs> Whoa, Cancun. Taco John's, because those potato olays, by the way. If you've never been to a Taco John's in the United States, by the way, this episode of Tactical Crouch could be sponsored by ta- Taco John's if they would just respond my, uh, to my emails. So I think it's pronounced Taco Wands, actually. My name is John. I know, how to sp- I know how to pronounce John. My name is John. I know how to spell it. I know how to pronounce it. You ruined it, dude. <laughs> Okay. Fair enough. All right. Um I think it's a little bit different for Broy because he's working more with mainly with like the statistical database, like helping kind of helping the coaching staff uh and helping them like form their game plans. And he's working with Bishop who is bilingual, right? So yeah. you know, his his job's obviously gonna be hard. He's learning I think he's learning Korean as well. Um, but he's doing it kind of in a different way. Whereas right now I've what I've been doing, so I'm obviously like trying to learn Korean, um, but I've, I'm also like a little bit more familiar with the culture in the sense that I lived last year with architect in Choi Hyobin. Um, my staff was fully Korean, although bilingual, but um, you know, Junkbuck, Krusty, and 9K, all of them are Korean. And so I spent a lot of time with Korean people. And so I'm kind of using that same framework here in the sense that I'm, you know, speaking a lot with uh, Pajeon Yangwon and um, you know, just the staff in general for, for Vancouver. And as I learn more, I think I'll try and be more hands-on with the players. But right now, I'll probably, you know, they have some limited English, I have some limited Korean, so we can communicate a bit um, without the use of a translator. But, you know, as time goes on, I'll learn more, they'll learn more, and then we'll also have, like, a translator in place to help out with it. Mm-hmm. Do you find that process to be like inefficient? Like I know it's... it is definitely inefficient. Um, but at the same time, like, you know, I think I, I can provide things to the team that are important. Right. And so, yeah, you, you can argue that like it's inefficient to bring on a Western person that can't communicate effectively. But I think that at the end of the day, like it shouldn't be that big of an issue, especially when uh, I think I'm committed to learning Korean. So you're the smartest well, coach in overwatch man like fair enough <laughs> like i didn't say it <laughs> you heard it here first um yeah i mean I, and that's the thing is, is 
obviously that efficiency factor is a is a thing. I don't know how many people are like saying, "Oh, we couldn't coach our players because we didn't have time." Um, there's, there's that that's definitely an aspect. Like you're always stretched for time and 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 stuff. But like, there's also the aspect of like, it's getting the right information out to them, and you need the right the right brains to be able to do that. And at the same time, there are also people like Moon who came into the Overwatch League speaking only Korean with the mostly Western roster, right? And that managed to work. So I think that, yes, there there is like a level of inefficiency there, but I think I also bring other benefits that outweigh that inefficiency in a sense. That's why you bought mm-hmm. the bed, isn't it? Well, I didn't buy this bed. Right. It, it was here. It's an artifact. But I, but I got the bed. I already got the bed. I'm already ready to go. <laughs> Like, Trust right. me, there's there's some significantly more impressive beds in this house. No, I need pit. Yes. I need Twitter pictures. <laughs> They'll come. Like, I, I think a house right. will come. All right, I need that really bad. <laughs> Yisco, what's else on? What else is on your mind, man? I mean, there's, there, I mean, I, it's it's picking which question at this point. <laughs> <laughs> what is interesting to me is like, initially it was just the runaway boys, right, and. They came over as a unit, but then you also had a late addition to yeah. the roster, right? Uh, how does Repel sort of slot into the role? What kind of need does he fill that wasn't previously, or what, what was just the reason for bringing him on? So the reason we looked at other flex supports is just in case. Uh, I think Twilight is a pretty distinctive playstyle, um, and we wanted somebody else as a backup just in case the meta ever switched and we needed somebody that was more suited and so Repel and Twilight have pretty different playstyles in my opinion um, you know I think Repel is a bit more I guess defensively minded maybe I, I don't want to say passive because that sounds like a like a how do you say it? like a negative term but mm-hmm. I think Twilight is just more the more aggressive player with his with his Zenyatta with his support in general um, so after conducting tryouts Repel ended up being the person we picked up as you know the other flex support and i think that actually i've been really impressed with him because he's actually improved significantly while he's been working with this team mm. so i um you know i think just depending on the place we're looking to feature uh he and twilight are both very good players Ooh, that sounds like there could be a chance chance which if if you're not conf- uh, comfortable with how Twilight is perceived, or you just have never heard of him because you don't care about Contenders Korea. Like, I think the vast majority of people who I trust to have an opinion on this think that Twilight was probably the best flex support uh, in just in performance last, last year in uh, Contenders. Yeah. Now, okay, potential, some of them are saying Violet, okay, right? But um, to, to then put Repel as well, almost like in a position where you can say, okay, maybe there is a meta, or maybe he continues on the trajectory that he's on, that he can rival also the synergy that uh, Twilight has built. Um, yeah, that's certainly impressive. And I personally also thought, of course, um, that he was actually not that bad. I was probably a little bit higher than most people were on him in uh, Element Mystic. Yeah, and I think... Honestly, like, you know, he had he, there were some weak performances, but I honestly think he improved like considerably. Like, if you look at if you look at him at the beginning of his time playing with us, and like now, it's like a completely different player. Hmm. And then 
I guess the other two bench players, I guess, I mean, bench players, uh, you have to say it in the search that because both Stitch and Huxtal are pretty much, you know, like on the forefront of your mind, if you think about that roster, is, um, of course, Hurek, but then to me, more interestingly, Sumin Su, how he has been developing, and if you have sort of given him a new direction, or is he going to do similar stuff that he did in Contenders Korea? Um, where is that trajectory going? I guess it's hard to talk about our DPS line without like leaking too much, but what, sure. like, I guess what I will say is that... Leak it. <laughs> what I will say is that we've built up kind of like a rotation, and I think that... Mm. I think that... Um, huh, how can I say this? But... But <laughs> no, but but I I think that um I think that our like we we've built up a DPS rotation. I don't think it's going to be like something staple. Like you know you mentioned Hacksaw and Stitch have been with Runaway for quite a long time. Mm. Uh, have been playing together for quite a long time. We're starters in the last season of uh, Contenders Korea. But basically, we're I mean we'll, we'll just aim to field whatever we think is best and. You know, we, I guess we'll see when when the uh, the regular season comes. Yeah, we're actually going to start a new podcast called Leak It, where we bring Leak on it. Overwatch League coaches and analysts and GMs and players. We just ask them questions and try to get them to leak the answers. <laughs> That's going to be the thing. That's going to be the idea. It it mostly is just a bunch of I can't say that, but <laughs> fair, yeah, fair Ooh, fair enough. <laughs> But, but, uh, <laughs> you said but, um, yeah, man. I mean, uh, here's the thing, and again, I yes, because the hard hitting question guy, Harsha, I'm the softball guy, and <laughs> and here's the thing for you, man. I'm the I I just I just I need to know here. I live like 20 minutes away from the Shock House, and I'm like, I'm gonna be a Shock fan now. My boy, boy Hersha's here now. And then you go to go to Vancouver, and you're on my show. No one from the Shock is on my show. Why are you so, trying to get yourself merch, man? What's so going on? What do I need to do for a hoodie? No, I'm just kidding. But <laughs> but I think more than anything, and this is something that we're we're seeing a lot. We notice um, there are definitely teams in the Overwatch League who have really passionate fan bases. Um, Runaway obviously did. You're translating that to Vancouver quite a bit. People who maybe haven't followed competitive Overwatch outside of Overwatch League might not know that. Why? 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 When all this new merch comes out, why am I buying Vancouver merch? Is what I want to know. Is is why? Are, why are you going to steal the shock away from me? And say like, what do you think you have is the best thing going for you guys this season? To to really um... shock colors are pretty trash. Shot colors. Oh, there it is. I mean, you know, their jerseys actually do look better this year. I think the gray jerseys instead of the like the traffic cone orange. Yeah, as long as you're not colorblind. Mm. Yeah, traffic cone orange. Nice. I mean, yeah, but I think I don't know. It, it, this is a merch question, right? Yeah, you, so, so the brand, like, branding like is Yetis or do you, do you like? <laughs> do you like? I mean, sound waves. Okay, let, let me say this. Because this is this is something that really bothered me. San Francisco shock is called shock because of earthquakes. That's you know very common in California, but also NorCal, right? But mm -hmm. they have a they have a lightning bolt in their in their Twitter handle. 
Like they're they're not even on their own brand, dude. No, they're like lightning. Yeah. Damn. Oh dang, dude. Damn. Damn. Out kind the of inconsistencies. The, what kind of branding so, is that? The, the Let's logo. brand to the things that kill us. Great yeah, idea. Yeah, what kind of branding <laughs> is that? Give me a picture of a Yeti and let's talk Titans. Let's go. The logo is a is a oh actually I don't I I've been out of school for a while. I don't know if it's a P wave or an S wave, but it's a it's an earthquake like wave. Like Yeah. It's in the logo. It's also the Golden Gate Bridge. No, it's not. It's the Bay Bridge. The Golden Gate Bridge is trademarked by Cisco. Okay. (laughs) All right. Got me. They don't even have the main attraction. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. All right. I'm sold. Um, I'll 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 go. I'll be a Titans fan. Yiska, you you haven't really said out loud. Yiska's a London fan. Who who you cheering for? This no, year, besides profit, profit. Sorry, yeah, exactly. Besides profit, profit, he'll be like, "Yeah, I want profit to win." But like, who, who fandom is weakness. <laughs> <laughs> um, so so is uh, what what is the uh, deflection? By the way, weakness. Deflection is weakness. Weakness is weakness. I'm I'm a fan of whoever wins the Overwatch League. <laughs> He's a he's a self admitted Fairweather fan. Of course, yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude, all my life. Really? You know, like, yeah. It's like when I I have a football club in my city, but they were like in third league. I don't care about them, dude. Like Bayern uh, Munich was winning everything back then, so I was a, a Munich fan for like ten years, and then they started to get drop off, and I was like. I'm already on the Dortmund train. So you don't have any Jeez. franchised Overwatch gear? Uh, no. Not, not no, like no. a hat? I, dude, I've been in esports literally 15 Six years. Months. Seven months. I got one piece of merch because Complexity gave it to me back in the day. <laughs> and it's a cap. So what you're oh saying is that if Harsha sends you some merch, you become a Titans fan. I might sleep in it. Yeah, maybe. I might sleep in it. <laughs> Better when than the dude that me. you sleep in now, man. <laughs> you can't be comfortable at all. You're not a pajama wearer. Yeah. I know you. I know you. You're not no, a pajama no. wearer. Yeah. All right. No. Birthday suit all the way. Birthday suit all the way. <laughs> birthday, birthday suit and air conditioner down to like 64 degrees. You know, I'm closer to Yiska when he sleeps than I've ever wanted to be just because he... Sometimes we, when we talk on voice, he just falls asleep and starts snoring. Oh my god, he does! So in our Illuminati Discord, literally, you'll see Yiska sitting sitting in the voice channel by himself. And usually, we like pop up then, and like that's a convert. That's like a, it's an invitation to say hello to the other person. It's the other person saying, "Hey, I want to talk right now." And you go into the you go into the Discord, and all you hear is. It is that loud too. It is like Dude, that's I'm... not a that that was actually a sound clip. That was you know oh. just like it did. But it was it's the same thing. So on, on Friday, I'm actually going to find out if I have sleep nap apnea. <laughs> no joke. Do you need any uh, any it said audio we're just clips? Hear the machine. Yeah, <laughs> we're just gonna hear the machine on voice. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say if they need audio yeah. clips, I think I have some. So oh, I actually do have some. Yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah, I saved one. How nope. did that never land on Twitter? It actually helps you're, me sleep. You're not as ruthless as I was with Joe back in the day? Yeah, I felt bad. 
I, I did just, I did just, you know, li- like record you sleeping without your consent. Jesus. Yeah. I caught Eden once, uh, just like singing to himself in his car, and he didn't realize he was still in voice. That was fun. <laughs> That's the most Eden thing I've ever heard. <laughs> and, and he didn't say he went like da 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 da. da. <laughs> he scattered his way. Yeah. Through Discord. Yeah. Yeah. I swear it was even exactly that because I kept listening to it like on loop. It just got better and better, and then dancing to it. Pretty much. Yeah, we've we've had some people spend way too much like like not know that they're in those voice channels. That's uh, that's actually how we get most of our leaks. I think, <laughs> actually, that, that's how they that's how they come. It's like, oh crap, I was in the the voice channel again. Yiska leaks in his sleep. Yeah, figuratively and metaphorically. Um, so <laughs> that's it. I mean, Yiska. I mean, what other co- questions we've got? So I mean, uh, you know, Harsha, right? So coaching the most, the most highly anticipated Overwatch League expansion team right now going into season two. He's willing to bear it all. Tell you who he, who he likes, who he hates. Who are the biggest d bags in Overwatch League? All that kind of stuff. Like, who do you you know who? Who who do you get shouldered in the in the by in the hallway that kind of stuff right? Dude, look at how he pulls that that joke the week after we had to pay on. <laughs> I wasn't gonna do it. I didn't want to get shouldered, dude. Dude, David David would shoulder me through the screen, man. So next week he's gonna ask about DC. I think. Oh. If yeah. we're sticking to the trend. Oh. One week after. Sure. Sure. Are we having some Put it on your schedule next week? Come on. We got to <laughs> All mm. right, let's let's continue with topics. <laughs> um my brain is Okay. So, so there's there's strong teams of course, and then there is st- strategic rivalries or just like brand rivalries and um also like strategical mismatches, just what your team is like. Is there any particular team where you're like, okay, so we are more afraid of this team than their ultimate placing will probably warrant. Like, for instance, are you afraid of losing maybe the Canada uh, I see. No. comparison, right? Not, oh. not, 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 not the Toronto one, to, to Burroughs' right. dismay. Um... I know f- for last year it was Fuel, specifically Stage 4, because we prepped so hard for that match, and we ended up winning, like, I think, reasonably comfortably. But that team, like, had such a distinct style, and they also were, like... Yeah, I think everybody was just really scared of Fuel in the sense that they didn't think they were an amazing team, but they thought that their style was hard to beat, kind of, and that they performed pretty well on stage. So uh, I know for sure that would have been my answer for last year. For this year... Um, I mean, of course, it's hard to say because we you don't even know like what the strategical yeah elements will shake out to be. But maybe I'll, something that gave you stress in give, terms. I'll give you this answer then, because this is just this is narrative based. This isn't like uh, mm-hmm, based or anything like that. But we are Shanghai's second match of the season, so they play Ooh. Hangzhou and then they play us. But they're our first match of the season. Mm-hmm. Um, Really don't want to lose that, especially if they lose to Hangzhou, because then we give Shanghai their first ever Overwatch League victory. So 
that's something I don't want to happen. Um, yeah, yeah, I can see that. What about when you play Shock? Shock, we actually play them in the second week of the season, I believe, or maybe mm. either. Yeah, I think it's the second week of the season. So they're our third match. Um, yeah, I don't really know. Uh, for them, they've also when 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 I was with Shock and they were coaching goats specifically, like the the way it was played was very different. It's like evolved quite a bit. So I don't really, mm. you know, I I don't I can't really talk about their style in a sense. Mm. Um, but that should be I a guess, special match for you, right? Yeah, obviously I want to win that. Um, will be a hard match, I think, because they're a really good team and they've been practicing for a long time. But mm. I guess that is a match that I yeah that I would really like to win. Um, what else is there? Hmm. Yeah, it's I a... Guess, oh, yeah. I mean, what I was going to say is the Shanghai one has the added relevance of being like the Kongdu's runaway rematch. Oh, yeah. But other than that, what, I think those two are the, the ones. What's your take on that? Because, of course, Kongdu was sort of ripped apart and picked four parts in some regard, but then also uh, four of them landed on... Four or five? I of think them so. landed on, uh, on Shanghai Dragons. I think five. Do you think that whatever made KDP good last season is still with Shanghai Dragons because they get most of the parts? Or do you think Decay and Roar are like the crown jewels of that roster? I think Decay is the crown jewel of the roster. Um, mm. You know, I think, I think that Shanghai will be a reasonable team just because they preserve their synergy. Um, they have some good addition. Like, I think Fearless is actually a good main tank despite what we saw in Overwatch League Season mm. 1. I think he's talented and I think that main tank is a role that first of all he it seemed like he had no coaching uh secondly it seemed like the team had no strategy so like th those are two things that are just going to make him look really bad and he is a very aggressive player so looked even worse because of that um so i think like i think shanghai can definitely still be good they lost their best player but i think dm is also quite good mm. so in a sense like i think it'll be similar at least in level to, to the Kongdu roster we saw last season. Now at the same time, I think that Kongdu was also helped during that, that season of contenders by the meta where you could play tankier styles and get away with it. So and also like uh Ding got to play as Farah quite a bit. Um mm. yeah cool. I, I don't really know. I think that I think that they lost the crown jewel but they still gained quite a few good pieces. Yeah. Without leaking too much, and I guess it's also something you have to take in mind with how other Rosses probably have their strength, but what is like the meta that you would like? For, okay, let's see. Say you're in a scenario where you're safe for playoffs, you go into playoffs. What is the meta you would want for your team? Just like, what's, what do you think that team is best at in terms of archetypical meta? I think people would expect me to say Ghost just because it's. The meta that ended up being the but i mean i think i actually don't think we're that meta dependent in the sense that i think bumper's quite good on both winston and reinhardt i think that Janu is going to be able to play whatever flex we have Haxall's actually i think his his versatility is underrated in the sense that he's a yeah. pretty good, he's a pretty good brig player and he's pretty good genji pretty good Farah. so yeah. like I, I think he should be able to play and and actually has a pretty good treasure albeit maybe a bit aggressive but he's he's good at it um so i'm not too worried about meta actually i think that you know i think if, if it's a dive meta or if it's you know what it is now or like you know it's like widow tracer or something like that i think we should be fine um 
so personally, it's not really about, I guess, what would benefit the team most because I think we'll be fine. Like, I think this is actually a team that's quite meta resilient and, you know, they've been together for so long, so it kind of makes sense. But I don't want to really see goats in playoffs because I just don't want it to still be around. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This just means we had four stages of goats. Yeah. Sounds awful. Yeah. It's, it's almost like the, the resilient teams, I think they would like a lot of volatility because yeah. that would, like, if you, for instance, play goats up until stage three and that's where almost playoff spots are already locked in. Then you switch to dive, you get into playoffs, you're a very versatile team, you can play GOATS and dive. That doesn't mean the GOATS teams that qualified based on GOATS are still that good in playoffs, Yeah, like a Boston, for instance, and then you can just farm them pretty easily, right? So but resilient teams really just wait for their turn and like have a huge advantage if the meta ever is super volatile. I agree with that, yeah. So I, I put the question out to Twitch here, and I just said, you know what? Rapid fire your questions, and we'll ask Harsha. You just feel free. If, if it's a no comment, just say, but. Okay? That's all we need. <laughs> okay. That's all we need to know. Uh, wait, wait. Let's do this. Who's going to be the first signed player for the Vancouver Contenders team? Butts. 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 New player coming Confirmed. up. Yeah, it's a From name Vancouver. change. Butts. Is, uh... <laughs> First name Seymour. Um, yeah, good one. Simpsons, nineteen ninety. Simpsons reference. Yeah, yeah. is when that came. Yeah, it's like I mean, at least right, at least a twenty-five year old reference at that point. That's that's how relevant I'm. I'm gonna be a great dad. My dad jokes are on point. <laughs> so um, here, here's a here's. I, I didn't fact check this at all. This one's from X Silver. It says a while ago you mentioned tank duos are overrated. Yes, tank duos as a concept are overrated, in my opinion. Why do you uh, think they come up so much and aren't as big of a factor in a team's performance? No, I think that I don't think tanks aren't a big factor in teams' performance. I think they're a huge factor in teams' performance. Mm. I think the concept of a tank duo is mm. is reductive because if you saw one of the best styles of playing Winston was not playing with the diva, it was playing with the tracer, yeah. right? That when people always talk about tank synergy, like I think to myself sometimes, yes, Diva and Winston need to work together or Zarya and Ryan or what, you know, it, I guess it's more of a concept of Zarya and Ryan, but mm. Diva and Ryan or whatever, whatever it is in general, though, throughout Overwatch League season one, the, the bigger duo is in my opinion, the Winston tracer duo. Cause that's generally doing yes. the work together. I agree. And people were constantly talking about Diva Winston when, when in general, like, Maybe Diva was helping Winston get ready for a dive, but she's not, you know, she's not working with him in general. So I feel like people mention it just because it's a convenient way to classify them because both Winston and Diva are tanks, but I don't think they work as a duo in, in practice. Yeah. There's another concept that you questioned, which is the... Supportive the, DPS. Yes. Can you no. elaborate okay. on that? I think a supportive DPS is something that can exist. I don't think fucking EQO EQO is not a sorry, I should I don't know if I can curse, but just EQO let me know next time so I can you. But there we go. Uh EQO is not a supportive DPS. Like I, I hate that narrative so much. No, it's he's not. He and played I, some supportive characters there, for a while. Sure, but yeah. sure. And but Brigetta when people is say a like supportive DPS. <laughs> I mean she is a support is as a DPS, yes. 
when people say when people say EQO is a supported DPS, like I don't understand what they're talking about, like in game. They're they're literally saying that because Carpe is a good player. Like that's all I can see in game because yes, when you look at the way Philly plays. They actually play considerably around EQO and his his old timings, his skill timings, yep. and like they feed him a lot of resources. You'll notice he's con- like constantly yep. on the verge of death, but he's receiving a lot of the mercy pockets and stuff like that. Whereas Carpe is more playing on his own, so he's kind of working off to the side and not really taking the resources. EQO is a carry DPS player, and it's weird to me that people call him a, a supported DPS. Like I really hate that classification just in terms of EQO. Yeah. I think in a lot of people's minds, it almost means like the guy that frags less. Yeah. I think not even frags less, but also frags less skillfully or like something where you say, oh, wow, that flick or whatever. That's like the guy that's not the supported DPS, but yeah. In my opinion, I think it's because, and I think Carpe is, you know, a more skilled player, but maybe only slightly because EQO is really good. Um, and I think that, yeah, just because he's not as flashy, people call EQO the supported DPS, when in, in reality, it's not not like a true classification. Do you think then it would be fair to say that Huxal has been a supportive DPS for a while? I think it depends when, but like, I don't think, I think he's such an aggressive player that it's hard to call him like a mm. supportive DPS. Or uh, even during the, the, the Apex days when Stitch was... No, I mean, Stitch was always very... But the supportive DPS archetype is more like it. I think it spawned from Eska. Eska right? is the one that kind of popularized it. If I yeah. had to think about who supportive DPS were... I think one name that comes to mind now, for instance, for um, Toronto Defined, is certainly Stella would be yeah. one. Certainly. Um, maybe... <sighs> Even Asher last season. Uh... In general, it's hard. Maybe maybe Dante at points. Mm. Um... Yeah. What is what is like the definition of a supportive DPS? Do you think? To me, I think it's just somebody that's constantly focusing on enabling another aspect of the team and not really like. But see, even that is is kind of just a weird definition. Mm. It's it's just such a weird concept, I think. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Especially when in Overwatch League, what you would have like pretty consistently is like let's say Widow Tracer or Genji Tracer. Like the Tracer is not really supportive, is she? She's in in let's say an ideal play, right? The Tracer is working with the Winston to get frags. The Genji is getting pocketing mm-hmm. and then uh, playing off his ult timings to get frags. Like. Neither of them is being supportive, but one of them, they're both kind of enabling each other. Mm. It's just yeah. a weird, I, I just don't like that concept in general. Yeah, I think I also just generally the idea that a Tracer player can be supportive feels like that is, that can work, but it's sort of like the lower tier. It's like a bad uh, Tracer player. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like if you don't have the you mechanics. You didn't have to look right at me when you said that, by the way. Sure. That was that was kind of rude. <laughs> it's like a You're bad, actually on the opposite side of my screen from where I was. Bad Tracer player. Yeah. John. Yeah. No, it's, it's just so, like if, you don't, if your Tracer doesn't have the mechanics to win the duels, then maybe they're enough to keep your flex support alive or something. I think Just this is something that... Oh, actually, that's something that Soon was very... Uh, and maybe early season Soon I can talk about because he, cha- he changed it a bit. But 
I know that something that I paid attention to a lot just because I know uh, players talked about it is Toon used to be somebody that really worked hard on protecting the flank actually from other tracers and making sure they weren't able to really constantly harass the backline. So, I mean, obviously evolved as a player, became more of like the Widow player, uh, and I don't think that applies really anymore, but maybe that's something you can classify as supportive because he was protecting the flank. Um, mm. Hmm. I mean, in that sense, you would almost have to say Sebiolbi is supportive, right? Yeah. Because he keeps the traces at bay, goes for these duels, doesn't take... I mean, yeah, he gets an orb, but... Famously. But, um... <laughs> like, yeah, I think the archetypes which we have... I think they definitely are different place, tracer playstyles. Yes. I just don't think our definitions or, like, terms for them are very accurate or very intuitive to people who try to understand what someone does based on what we call it, right? And maybe maybe there's another word for it, but I don't think supportive is a word, right? Maybe it's like, we can say... Bad. No. <laughs> well, I mean, we can say like proactive versus, I guess, reactive. Maybe that's yeah. a better way. Uh, just because if you're proactive, you're going, you're doing something, you're trying to do something to the enemy team. Reactive, you're kind of, I don't know. Maybe that's the best way to do it, but... I think supportive DPS is just kind of a weird concept in general. Mm. Yeah. So here's one from Hey, it's Bro Lock Light. That's a lot of syllables for a Twitch name, dude. Like, great now, but if you're ever going to try and stream with it, change it. Um, he says, they say, which of the original teams had its worst offseason? Has to be Boston, I think, right? I don't, I don't know if there's a better... I mean, people Ooh. must him. People might say mayhem, but I'm. <coughs> hmm. I think it has to what be Boston. Outlaws? No, I lost picked up Dante. I think that's an improvement. Whereas I, I think mean, Boston, it's an improvement, but it still stands still. Hmm. But look at Boston. They lost Striker, potentially best player, potentially best DPS in Overwatch League. Hmm. They lost um, Neko, one of the. And to be fair, they have Amgod, so they have a backup. But Am, um, I yeah. think Neko is consistently a top three flex support in the league. Hmm. They, um, what was it? Like they picked up Color Hex and uh, who is it? Blade. Don't think that they have the same value as as um, Striker to be honest. Either of them. Um, they picked up who is it? Uh, the second main tank, but I, I don't Axiom. But you know, I don't know what he brings over Gamsu. Hmm. Alanal. I, I mean, I don't know. Is hmm. he's a good player, but I, I don't think he's like really that considerably like a step up i think boston literally just got worse all right boston yeah. fans this next 20 <laughs> seconds Actually, is for you i've been i've been uh i've already been like i've had my own boston run-ins because i made a video about how i didn't think that they were gonna be that good and this was before i knew that they were coached by crusty i think there's one Ooh. other player i didn't know was on the team i think i might not it was Callius. yeah i know Callius. i knew for sure was not on but mm -hmm. there's one other player. I think it was Striker. But to be fair, I underrated Striker at the time too. Yeah. So it really wouldn't have mattered. Um, but I still get people commenting on my on my Boston video Dude. like every couple weeks. Like, oh, look at this. Like, even though I think most people thought Boston was going to be a pretty weak team yeah. going into season one. And, and, and also... they, they shattered expectations, right? And like yeah. that, that that's you know cool. And and most of the conversations I see happening about Boston right now is like trust the system, not the players. Yes. And it's a system yeah. that 
Huck put in place and not Krusty, and that Huck is capable. If it was Krusty, Huck is capable of keeping that going on throughout this the is, This is kind of like the prove it uh, season for Boston, in my opinion, yeah. where, first of all, Huck has to prove that it was him and not Krusty. Yes. Secondly, he needs to prove that he that his, his kind of method of picking up players that are maybe not scouted as much or underrated mm-hmm. and turning them into, like, role players that can that can prop up the system if that works so i think this season is really important and i, I think if boston finishes maybe top 12 uh i think that says a lot about about um kind of yeah. their approach to overwatch Dude, uh, yeah plus three plus three points in my power rankings if they make playoffs next year just no matter what no matter where i put them i'm just gonna add three to it yeah that'll that'll be my courtesy my courtesy push uh, but Boston fans, it's okay. You can be an underdog and be happy uh, and not just be bitter. But the thing is, <laughs> yeah, I, I saw you having your run-ins too, but the thing about them is it's just that, like, to me it's so – and I understand that there are disagreements in the in the team and stuff like that, t- things that people won't know about, but it's so crazy that, they, that they're that giving up Stryker when I think he was such an important part of that team. Just like <sighs> – Hmm. I don't know. This is something that Brad mentioned on Oversight, I believe. But like, Boston was one of those one of the best uh, game five teams in the world. And I think that it came to them having the best tracer, or potentially the best tracer in the world. Where you know, King of the Hill maps are very skewed towards teams that have good tracer Winston like duos. So yeah, uh, yeah. And somebody in the chat said Striker wanted to leave? Question mark. Uh, probably did, but you know. <laughs> I think a lot of people in Boston might have wanted to leave. Didn't end up leaving. Yeah. Yeah. If, like, you don't understand the situation, if someone wants, if a player wants to leave, that doesn't mean he can, unless yeah. he retires, literally retires for that season. So, yeah. Unless he gives up the entirety of season two, he could not leave, or somebody bought him out, and somebody bought him out. So, yeah. Shock. By the way, about the checkbook. I, I just. Like they, read they, your tweet. They cash in that harsh money. <laughs> I just caught up on your tweet about methodologies and like that. This is much more interesting. Like everyone who comments on your video about Boston doesn't get it. Completely missed the point. Because what you should be doing is you look now at the power rankings. You look now at the methodology, and then you say now what is wrong with it. You can't say after the horse race, oh, this was so obvious. Look at this this horse, like how muscular it was. Of course it was going to win. No, like that is not how it works, my dudes. Like now, right now, what's what's wrong with my methodology? And then um, we can, yeah, figure it out then. We lost Harsha. So we're, what we're going to do essentially is we're going to um, put words in his mouth for the next like 30 seconds. Yeah. Who's the worst team in Overwatch League, Harsha? But Sten. <laughs> God, that was so terrible. <laughs> also, his his camera froze at him smiling, so you can all say all the atrocities. <laughs> like, I know. What are you thinking right now, Harsha? Butts. Yeah, it's basically about <laughs> it. <laughs> yeah, it's basically about it. Uh, we'll see if he comes back. <laughs> Otherwise, <laughs> Arsh is just a good dude, Yiska. Like he's gonna bring it to you straight. Sure. What he what he can bring to you, anyways. He's not a leaker though. 
unlike you, who who have lots of stuff to leak, and you're gonna leak them on this show. Eventually, we're gonna break you down, dude. Hmm. And you're gonna start leaking. Yeah, that. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. <sighs> I don't know if he's coming back. All right, he's back now. His chair is empty. He's been raptured. He just ran down three flights of stairs to get to the basement where the router is, and now he has to come back, and that's a full cardio workout. He's just like walking in like a badass over here. No, they're cleaning up the house, obviously, and disconnected my internet. (laughs) Got to clean out those Cat 5 jacks. No bugs. I assume what you were saying was something along, like I cut out when you were talking about how people don't get it if... uh, if like they were, if they're commenting on my video, but I think what, what like makes kind of Boston's run in season one impressive is that people all over uh, underrated them, and then yep. they proved it wrong. Like like, yeah, that adds to the narrative. They weren't just suddenly, yep. you know, a top three team. No, no, they, like your reaction as a commenter should be, wow, this was the accepted consensus of experts in the scene. And yeah. they somehow found something. Wow, is Boston interesting in that? And what they taught us about Overwatch. Not, wow, are you an idiot? So obvious. Haha. <laughs> like, yeah. And obviously, I think some people understand that, but I think that it seems like a very large amount of people don't. And so, you know, it, I, I get it. Like, it adds, it's fun to like shit on people, but like, it, it, in the end, like, I think that. They don't. They don't understand that that like people are adding to the narrative, or like there's like a narrative building process going around when when um, when people underrate a team and then they overperform. Like, yeah. Well, and everybody everybody wants to also be like the I told you so. Yeah, like, even though they never made any predictions. I have, I have like twenty that. Twitter accounts with about two hundred to like five hundred people following me, all of which have made claims about one of the one of the 20 teams winning Overwatch League so that I can then tweet every single one of the other people who said that they wouldn't do that or rated them lowly. And, you know, I, I'm a god, basically, is, is what I'm saying. So right now you know me as Kick Tripod because, you know, a couple of years ago I guessed well. Uh, who knows what you'll know about me from a year, or like who, what you'll know me as a year from now. I might have to swap over. Your Twitter account might have 200 followers. It's true. <laughs> so all of a sudden. Yeah, be like, what what happened? What changed? Yeah, nothing. Um, yeah. This feels like a good spot. Yiska, feel like a good spot for you? Anything else you want to hit Harsha yeah. with? All right. I, I got my internet reconnected for nothing. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's go ahead and get out of here then. Uh before we do though, Harsha, I mean, tell people where they can find you, what you're working on. Um, anything else you that you wanna, you know, kinda kinda put out there before we get out of here. What I'm working on is the Vancouver Titans, I guess. Good. <laughs> well, yeah, we'll try and win as much as we can. Uh, otherwise, you can just find me at GG Harsha on like everything, I think. Just about. So, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Yeska, what about you, man? Anything coming up? Any more thinking it overs? Yeah, I got to get on that train. I have like, a couple of pretty good topics in mind. I just got to get doing it and then, yeah. Cool. Uh, as for me, you can find me everywhere at Kick Tripod, and of course, find the show anywhere you can search for Overwatch League Daily or Tactical Crouch. So, uh, make sure to do that. Make sure to follow on Twitch and to subscribe on YouTube. Comment, 
Tweet us at OWL Daily Show. I mean, the show is literally everywhere. So you can find kind of everything that you could possibly want uh, for the show, whether you want to listen to it, watch it. 2x speed as D-Pay does <laughs> or 0.25 speed as Harsha does. So he'll, he literally likes to w- listen to us at like 0.25 speed because can't get enough. Take eight hours of my day, he says. Yeah. So uh, Harsha, Which- thanks. Yeah, go ahead. What? We should get into a habit of just talking uh, fast and then slow, and then maybe just so the speed doesn't work anymore. Yeah. I definitely like that. I think that would be a really good idea to be able to go ahead and do that and then uh, make it really annoying for those people who do that. Uh, Thank you guys again for watching. We'll see you guys next time for Tactical Crouch. Joe should be back. Tell him you miss him. Tell him you miss him. I miss him. I'd rather have Harsha. All right.